I'm going to ask if you would stand, please. I'm going to, you know, whenever I'm preparing, not say whenever, but many times when I'm preparing a message to deal with various, uh, a couple of points, it seems that I, I, I have to address a topic or an, uh, or a situation that I was planning to just kind of use as a backdrop and go on, but I'm going to have to focus here today because that's where the Holy Spirit has me. So I'm going to take the passage that I was actually planning to just to kind of read through to get to my point. That's what I'm going to deal with today. And when I come back, we'll bring that into the next point that we'll be looking at. Would you bow your head with me, please? Today, Lord, we are grateful for the devotion and for the service thus far, Sunday school and children's church. And we thank you that we have a place, as been said, to come and to pray and to worship you. We are grateful that we don't have to be outside in the cold. We thank you that you provide a building for us. And we don't take that for granted. And the building that you are working on in us, we pray that you will complete the work in our very lives. We thank you right now. And as the family of Sister Florence, as they got go back, we are praying for traveling mercy. We thank you for bringing them. And even though the occasion was sad, yet it was a, a joyous time because Judy went to be with the Lord. It is our prayer that the family members that still don't know you, that are outside the ark of safety, that they will come to know that they must give an answer to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. May we know that we are preparing to leave this place, as the pastor said on Friday. This place is not our home, but we are passing through. We thank you how you are mending relationships. We thank you for what you are doing in the body of Christ. Now we pray for Sister Florence as she prepares to have this surgery. That you will bless her and keep her and strengthen her. Pray for the Word of God today. Pray for those that have called that are not doing well in their bodies. We lift them up in a special way. and Pray that, God, you will bring us to your glorious end, your glorious kingdom. We thank you. Anoint, Lord, today. We give your name all the honor. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. What I think I'm going to do, I'm going to read the passage in a couple of different books. You'll find the same story but with some additional details. And so I'm going to read Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 through 27. And I did not give Anisha the information ahead of time so she doesn't have the passage, but maybe if you just go to the gateway and just maybe pull it up from there. Matthew 8, 23 through 27. Then I'm going to read Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. And again, Bruce, I, Bruce came about a month ago to our Wednesday Bible study and shared with me what happened in regards to the surgery. And Bruce, it is only by God's grace that you are alive after having them leave an instrument in you, you know. And so, and so I just want to thank God for his marvelous grace that kept you. And I know that there's been some difficulties, but in his marvelous kindness, he's blessed you. So 
want to thank God for, for that. Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. I'm not going to read Luke, but you'll find the same verse, or, situa- or I should say the same miracle in Luke chapter 8 as well, verses 22 through 25, but I'm not planning to read Luke. Mark, excuse me, Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 through 27. Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 through 27. And this is what it says. Then he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Mark, chapter 4. Mark, chapter 4. Oh, and before I forget, as I read this passage, Liz called me. She's on, out of town, far out of town in Turkey, and had a question. I was at the dentist, coming out of the, going to the dentist's office, and got a phone call. I have a question for you. She went to the service, and we talked for a couple minutes, and she said, thank you, and ended, and she said, tell everybody I said hello, and see you back in a couple weeks. <laughs> so from Turkey, she is still having questions about the Lord as she goes to services, and that is incredible that she is still... Seeking the Lord and want to make sure if, if, if this is correct, what I'm hearing, <laughs> called here. So thank the Lord. Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. Mark gives a little additional detail or different details. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. Don't think of a cushion like a pillow. Wasn't that soft? The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, Don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. The Bible might say, Peace, be still. There's a song that says, Peace, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Who is this? Even the wind and the waves 
obey him. As a title, I have given this sermon, Jesus on Board, Jesus on Board and Panic on the Boat. Jesus on Board and Panic on the Boat. Point number one, right in the points, going to the other side. Going to the other side. Some people's good intentions never make it to the practice field. I'm going to say that again. <laughs> Some people's good intentions never make it to the practice field. People are for, forever planning and talking about the future, but have not set a timeline to begin to follow Christ. Prior to Jesus telling his disciples, let's go to the other side, he had been healing, teaching through parables, and teaching on the true cause of what it means to follow him. If you look in Matthew a few verses before, you will find that Jesus had been teaching and questions had arisen, Lord, I want to follow you and, and I'll come at this time as soon as I bury my father as soon as I do this. And Jesus gave various thoughts and various answers, or gave, gave answers to their various excuses. He had been healing, he had been teaching, and has been a long day doing various things. And when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go to the other side. You don't get to the other side by thinking about going to the other side. You don't think, you don't get to the other side about wishing you can go over to the other side. A lot of people think that the discussion of getting to the other side is the same as having made the trip. Discussions and talk about the other side, they're not the same as making and going, as Jesus said, to the other side. Lord, one day I'm going to do better. One day I'm going to get to the other side, and yet there are no plans that's made to get there. The cost of discipleship is getting into the boat that's going to take you to the other side. That's what you need to do. You need to get in the boat so that that boat that you are in will take you over there. The problem is that many people are standing on the shore looking at Jesus and waving to him, go to the other side. But you're not going to get to the other side while Jesus is in the boat and you're standing on shore. The Bible notes that Jesus gets into the boat and the Bible says that his disciples follow him. Now he had just been talking about the cost of what it means and what it takes to follow him. He had just been talking to the others about what's the cost of following him. And when you look at his answers, it would seem that he was very hard towards those where he gave his answer. But that's the cost of following Jesus. Your position when it comes to Jesus is to follow him and not tell him what you think and what you are planning to do. That's not talking, that's not following Jesus. 
It's not giving him your best ideas. It's simply following him into the boat. He told the disciples, let's go to the other side. And the Bible says that Jesus got into the boat and they followed him. They didn't sit there and ponder and have a discussion about, Lord, what, 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 what do you mean? Can't we just stay and hang out here? Look at all the people. You've been doing a great work right where you are. Jesus says, let's go. Now, you might not know it. There is an imperative in there. There is a command, even though it says let. You see, when Jesus has followers, it's interesting that they, they will follow him. It doesn't have to take a strong command. It doesn't have to take something that, that something happens to you. Simply Jesus saying, let's go. And you saying, okay, Lord, I'm right behind you. The disciples have been with Jesus all day. And now they follow his words and his actions by getting into the boat. Getting to the other side requires action. It doesn't require you looking to see if you can see the other side. Just because you might not be able to see Mount Tamalpais from inside this building does not mean it's not there. To get to Mount Tamalpais, you're going to have to get in your car or use your feet or a bicycle. Jesus did not tell his disciples, look to the other side and see how far you can see. He told them, let's go to the other side. They have spent that day with him and it is now evening, and Jesus tells them it's time to go. What in the world are people doing telling, telling Jesus, you go to the other side. I'm staying right where I'm going. I'm staying right here. You can go. I ain't going. That's what a lot of people do. They tell Jesus that you can go. You go save people. I'm staying right here. Jesus is not in the business, not in the habit of working in isolation. He came to seek and to save the lost. He was not lost. The people were. Isn't it amazing that we, we talk about going to the other side, but, but when it requires us to do what's necessary, people don't want to do it. I like that story of the little red hen. Found those seeds and asked all those other animals, who's going to help me plant the seed? and Who's going to help me do all of the things necessary and, and planting? Not I, not I. Who, who's going to help me go and plow? Not I. Who's going to help me go pick? Not I. Who's going to help me make the bread? Not I. Who's going to help me eat? I will. Oh, no, you ain't. You see, everybody wants to go to heaven. Everybody wants to transition there, so they say. But the requirement that Jesus lays out has been pushed aside and people have said, that I don't want to do. He said, I've already paid the price for you. All you got to do is accept it. All you got to do is put it on. Put me on. All you got to do is have the blood applied. 
I've done all the heavy work for you. All you need to do is follow me. You'll have eternal life. I think, Lord, that I can get to heaven by doing this. You can't. You can't get to the other side by following your own, your own desires, your own will. Wouldn't the word of Jesus come for if you could do it by yourself? He wasted his time. If the law could save you, that's what it, it would have just been the law. Come and go through all the pain, all the agony. Just so that you can then decide. You can get there by yourself. You can't. Our problem in life is that we are still trying to do it by our own ways and actions and asking Jesus to put his seal of approval on it. Jesus puts his seal of approval on what he does and what he has done. What you do is not sanctioned by God unless it comes under doing what he's told you to do. You get credit for following directions. Do you not know God didn't ask you your opinions when he created this world? Do you not know he didn't call you and say, wait a minute, pause everything, Jesus and Holy Spirit. There's a couple of people I got to consult first. Oh, wait a minute, wait, wait, hold. They ain't here yet. We got to figure something out. He didn't do that. He planned you in before the foundations of the earth. Even when you didn't know you were on your way here, he planned you here. You didn't know that, did you? You have not always been physically, but you've always been planned from the beginning. Point number two, obeying Jesus and heading into the storm. Obeying Jesus and heading into the storm. In Matthew 8, 24, it identifies the cause of the problem. In the Greek, it is a, it's pronounced seismos. It's, when we think about seismos, it's used, we get, I should say, we get our English word seismic from this word. And when we get seismic, you think of an earthquake. Matthew, in his description of this storm, uses the word in the Greek, sesmos. Why would he use this word? Because it deals with a shaking. It deals with turbulence. It deals with such violence. He uses a word that was actually meant for a shaking. Why? Because of the, of the severity and the intensity of the storm that arose. The shaking that was brought about by the winds. You see, the Sea of Galilee was about 700, mi 700 miles, 700 feet below sea level. And when you think about the Sea of Galilee, it was surrounded by mountainous terrain. And when that water would heat up and those vapors would rise in the cool of the day and you got that cool air from the mountains meeting that, you would have turbulent actions in the waters. And when Jesus said to his disciples, let's go to the other side, it was calm. 
wasn't a lot of activity. But as soon as they got out, or not long after getting out, the Bible says a squall came upon the waters. And you see, you can get out there in the middle of that lake of the Sea of Galilee, and you will be in the midst of a storm. You see, one of the things that happens in life is when we venture out, you're not always aware of what might be out there. There's some things that you run into on the outside. And unless you have the navigator, unless you have a, a person on board that knows what you're doing, that they're doing, you're going to be in trouble. Jesus is on board. Now, I want you to get that. Jesus is on board, but he tells them, let's go to the other side. But Jesus is on board, and there's a problem that arises. This storm that arises is something that scares the disciples, and many of them were fishermen. They've been fishing this sea uh, for, for, for a long time. They knew the conditions, but this storm scared them. Just because Jesus is on board don't mean you're not going to have problems, and don't mean that your problems are not going to be overwhelming. I want you to also note that in the book of Mark that we read, the Bible says there are other boats with them. You see, when we look at the passage of Matthew and then Mark and Luke, the synoptic gospel, when we look at these, uh, these accounts, you glean a little bit about their, what the focus is. Matthew doesn't mention the other boats, and, but Luke and Mark, they, they do. Not only are the disciples in the boat that they're on in this storm and in trouble as they see, the other boats that are, have also followed them, they're in trouble as well. You, you see, there are times that trouble not only affects you as a Christian, if you are a Christian, but it also will affect those that are even around you. When Jesus goes and gets on the boat and they start across, he goes down and goes to sleep. I find it interesting that in the midst of this storm, Jesus is sleeping. We look at in this situation... Jesus' humanity. Jesus had been busy all day long, and he is plain pooped. He's tired. And he goes and he gets to the stern, and he goes to sleep. In the midst of telling them, let's go to the other side, they run into a problem, and here Jesus is, asleep. There is no mention of any disciple having gone to sleep while they're traveling. But the Bible mentions that Jesus is asleep. I can imagine that disciples are thinking, this storm ain't like any other storm I've seen before. 
I think we probably should try to go on back. Well, this is way out there. In this. And the Bible says that these waves are coming up over. Now, now when you look at, at, at Mark and Luke, they are saying that the waves are not only going over, they're coming over and coming into the boat. And Matthew, he says that the, boat, the waves are going over the boat. In other words, they're higher. This storm is something else. And we find Jesus sound asleep. It, it reminds me of Jonah. But, but there's a difference. There's a difference. There's a difference. You, you see, Jonah was told to go preach to Nineveh. Jonah said, I ain't going. I don't like them. I'm going to Tarshish. When it got, and the Bible says he went down below and fell asleep. Those that were up top, they didn't go to sleep. They're calling on their gods, and they said, wait a minute, there's somebody else came on this boat. Wait a minute. That one guy who told him he was running from God, go get him. Go get him. Man, what you doing sleeping at a time like this? Now, while Jonah is going, we note that God sent the storm related to Jonah. Now, there are commentators who believe that the storm, uh, and not only is it of natural origin because of just the fact of the Sea of Galilee, but some believe that there is a spiritual element there. I don't know. But it was enough to have the, the, the disciples who didn't scare easy, scared. Scared. <laughs> now, now, understand, understand, understand. Jesus is going to the other side because it's the will of God. And he's on a boat that encounters a problem, but he's still going because he's in obedience to the will of God. You see, some people today are thinking that they are having too many problems in life and that God should not allow all these problems to be coming into their life. And they have cast a shadow on God's grace, mercy, his wisdom, his integrity, and his purpose. Say, God, you must not know I'm serving you and you should not allow all these things to come into my life. But Jesus is on board and the problem is huge. The disciples have been seeing all the things that Jesus has been doing, seeing the miracles, been up on the mountain, all the things that has taken place, they've been right there. They should know who they have on board. And now they're panicked. They're saying, we're going to die. We're going to drown. <laughs> but they are obeying Jesus, heading right into the storm. Don't let anybody ever tell you that serving God is going to allow you to navigate around the storm. It won't. Serving the Lord is going to take you right through the storms. You might think you're not going to get through it. You might think, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I tell you, when Letitia came on the other day, I was in the office, she came in crying and told me what happened. She gave her testimony just now. I said, when God looks at the faithfulness of certain areas of our life and says, I can take care of this. I can take care of this. That's the God that we serve. You know, he, he's right there, able to take care of the very thing 
They were concerned about what am I going to do? And here's a little boy, a kid, running out, some person running up and sees her car and runs up and tells her. The Lord had that plan before the beginning of time. Had already mapped it out. Had already mapped it out that the state was going to take her money. All the money that she owed. <laughs> but has said, I'm going to do something in her, in her life to show that there's nothing impossible for me. We have Jesus going into the storm, following God, and we have Jonah going the opposite direction. We've got the disciples going now to wake Jesus in this raging storm. Hmm. The storm was a result of natural conditions and quite possibly spiritual forces. How could Jesus sleep through this upheaval? Because he knew who he was. And he knew whom he belonged to. <laughs> you see, Jesus knew that he had a plan. To, he had a purpose to accomplish. He knew that. He knew what his purpose was. His life was not to be taken by any force, any forces of nature, or demonic attempts brought on by the religious leaders. And whatever else, he was the one to lay down his life his life would not be taken by any person. He was the one that was going to lay down his life. Be out of here soon. Point number three. Jesus is divine nature. If you're looking at the verses for that, that's Matthew 8, 26 and 27. Jesus is divine nature. The disciples, as I said, were really afraid. This was a life-threatening storm. They had been in other storms, but by... And as fishermen, they knew that this one was quite different, and it scared them. The waves breaking over. It is Jesus, when you look at what happened, let's take a look at this in Matthew chapter 8, verses 26. The Bible says, he, Jesus, replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? I want you to note something. In Matthew, the Bible says that when they woke him, Jesus said to them, even before dealing with the storm, you of little faith, you, and Mark says, no faith. <laughs> he addresses them. You see, there are times before the, the elements and the outside forces can be dealt with that God has to quiet the storms of our own lives. With it raging on the outside, God has to bring peace to us. And before even addressing the storm, he turns to the disciples. Now get this. The storm is still raging. There's water in the boat. They're probably saying, Jesus, why are you talking to us? The storm, the storm. But Jesus has to calm the storms of our lives first. And so what he does he do? What does he do? Jesus turns to the disciples and says, you of little faith. 
I can imagine that their minds had to quickly dash back to all the miracles. The leper who came to him. The Sermon on the Mount. The, dem- the, 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 the demons had, that had been cast out. You, you of little faith, you've been with me. And not only have you been with me, I've been explaining to you what must take place. And we're at this point, and you now are evidencing no faith. Hmm. Now let me just say this. You have every right to panic if your hope is in your education, Muhammad, Buddha, Baal, Dagon, and whoever and whatever else is your focus. Yes, panic. I encourage you, panic. If your trust is in any of these things, panic. Why? Because you can't be saved. But when Jesus said, let's go to the other side, (laughs) he didn't mean let's go and drown. Tell me y'all think Jesus got you on a suicide mission. I know you do. I know you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, here, come on. Jesus is going to do Let's go die with him. He's going, come on. He just left his little. Come on, fellas, go die with Jesus. No, no, Jesus, take it to the other side. Now, get this. The other side may be to the other side of the lake, but even if he takes you to the other side of eternity, you're still saved because you're with him. <laughs> so, whether he has taken you to the other side of the lake, or it's taking you to the other side, you're still with him. You're still safe. <laughs> if Jesus is your master, then you can know assuredly. Whether you're transitioning from here to the other side or transitioning to eternity, you're safe. After Jesus says, you have little faith, he then turns his attention to the storm. <laughs> And the Bible says, peace be still. In other words, that word that we look at is that Jesus muzzled the storm. That word, peace, be quiet, means to muzzle. Hmm. Can you imagine the winds are boisterous? The waves are coming over. The winds cease immediately and the waves go to a still quiet place like the sun shining bright in the night and you're sitting by the lake and the little ripples of water. You know, no, that calm, that sea was calm. There's probably no ripples going through it. Peace. Quiet. <laughs> it was the divine Jesus. You see, the humanity of Jesus got tired and he was sleeping. But the divine Jesus spoke to the the waves and the wind and said, peace, be still, be quiet. (laughs) Now some, because of the word rebuke, feel that he was speaking against forces. Could have been. We'll deal with that point when we look at where he's heading to. but, But when we look at what Jesus does, he quiets the storm and immediately the disciples look at him and says, now, now, now get this. You've you got to understand. 
as the disciples look at Jesus, you got to imagine that they're looking at each other too. Fellas, did you? Y'all see this? Who, who this we with? <laughs> who is this person? And then the Bible says, a great fear came over them. Now, that's a good fear. They were afraid of the storm, but then they're not afraid of who is in the boat with us. <laughs> that even the winds and the waves obey him. <laughs> mm. How in the world do you explain this phenomenon? Peace be still. Jesus shows his power even over the known elements. Let me say this as I conclude. If you have a point in time where you have not been here, or if you have, have had a beginning, then you don't know everything. If you have an ending or an end date to your life, you don't know everything. No, 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 no. No, so when people throw things in the face of Jesus and you have a beginning and you have an end date, you cannot know everything. You, you see, it's the person that you need to turn your attention to to say, I'm going to follow Jesus. You, you see, this situation that happened here, it made the disciples scratch their head and say, who in the world is this man? Who, who, who is it that even the winds and the waters obey him? You see, it was Jesus who said, let there be. And there was. It was Jesus who spoke nothing. Who spoke nothing out of nothing and made it something. He, he said, there you Come to be. Come here. Light. Come on. Come on. Come on. That's what Jesus does. He's the one that says, uh, 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 waters, here are your boundaries. You can come this far and no further. Land, let dry land appear. Now, I've already told you this. Who wouldn't want to serve a God like this? <laughs> Peace. Be still. Jesus wants you to have peace in the midst of the storm. I don't care what you're going through. If Jesus told you to go to the other side, he is not sending you alone. When Jesus says, I'm going to be with you, that's exactly what he means. Go taking off, running down the road without Jesus. And then here you come back all tattered and bruised, clothes all torn off. Lord, here I come on back. That's not the way I told you to go. I was going over here. You went there yourself. Where Jesus tells you to go, he'll be right there. He'll be there. He'll be there. He'll be there. He'll be there. Who is this person? That we are with. Hmm. 
Jesus' divine nature. <laughs> oh. You see, if Jesus is on board, there doesn't need to be panic on the boat. If Jesus is on board, there does not need to be panic on the boat. If Jesus told you to go to the other side, go on to the other side. <laughs> Obeying Jesus, you can head right into the storm and you'll be okay. And Jesus knows how to use his divine nature because you know what? Jesus is God. Bow your heads, please. Bow your heads. Lord, we thank you that we can't make up the rules. Our task is to follow you. We are indeed grateful that you are on the boat. And that the boat (laughs) is not going to sink unless you say that it is to sink. There are times when the boat of our lives need to sink because we're not following you. But you know how to raise up that which has fallen. And we pray today in the name of our glorious Lord and Savior that if anyone in this place has been guiding, has been piloting their own ship, their own boat, they'll allow you to be the one to take the command. We pray that people will stop making excuses and go ahead and make plans to go to the other side. You are great and you are awesome, Lord. And today we thank you that you don't run from the storm. (laughs) You control the storms. That when you have told us to do something, Not only are you able to take us in and through, but you have already worked out the details of how high the waves can go and what the exit plan is. We thank you right now. The storms that are raging right now in the lives of some people, we pray right now that you will guide their attention and our attention to you. If you are the God on the throne of our lives, we pray that even though we don't see where the exit is, that we'll allow you to just navigate and take us on through because you know where you're going. We honor you today and we bless you. May people know and understand the way has already been determined. And all we need to do is follow the path of the word that, God, you have given. Help us to do it without compromise. We honor you today and we bless you. Now, as we leave this place, anybody in this place that says, I need to get right with God, I encourage you to come and see me. Yeah, I need to come and talk to me. 
Say, yes, it's time. Don't want to leave this place not knowing God. Lord, we want to be able to say, I'm going where Jesus is and being with him in heaven. Not hell, but heaven. Don't want to be and meet him there in hell. Don't want to have to face his judgment, but I want to be able to experience the joy and the blessings of a glorious Savior. We honor you today, and we worship and give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.